This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. And good day to you. This is Bob here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong and you will make lots more money and way less time by doing the exact opposite. I'm joined with my lovely producer, Ramon. How are you, Ramon? I am fantastic. I am waiting for the... uh Headlines of the day. We're going to do the headlines of the day. I'm glad he reminded me. Right, got them right here. I see that piece of paper. paper. I'm excited. Newspaper. Remember the old days? The old I one? do. They would hit you in the head with it when you were walking out. You know, I used to be a paper boy. Were you ever a paper boy? No, no. And when I was nine years old, they would send me out to knock on doors in the neighborhood, collect collecting money, and the people would let you in their house. It was a different time. It was indeed. It was a different time. Yeah. So I always tell my daughter when she was little, never, never talk to strangers unless they have candy or a puppy. That's the only time you would ever talk to strangers. And the award for Father of the Year goes to... ever, Bob Leffler of Fearless Agent. Okay, so a study, here's all, we love these studies, we never tire of them. A study found that Tuesday is the most productive day of the week, so... uh, Ramon and I are going to take the rest of the week off and gear up, right? That's it. That's how you do it right there. <laughs> Who studies this, by the I way? I don't know. These nitwit propeller heads. I don't, they, know, I don't know what's going on. Where do they get the money for the uh, study? We, we should do it. Just we should study. get paid the money to study it. We call ourselves professionals, have briefcases, and just go you know, looking around at it, things that, and studying. It would be no different than high school. There would be very little study going on. We'd just take the money. All right. So last week... Remember, it was last week. It seems like only five oh, minutes that ago. That was all, such a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> I remember right. it well. Right, like it was just a half an hour ago. Uh, so we were talking about negotiating as a fearless agent. So we're going to just continue on that because I didn't get done with what I wanted to talk about. So we were talking about how to negotiate all the different stuff. So um, negotiating things in the right order. So what do you do? If you have multiple offers. Now, I remember when I was new in real estate, uh, literally for the first five years of my real estate career, the prices went down about a percent a year in Scottsdale, Arizona, which was the fastest appreciating part of the country probably. And uh, so it was a bad time. Interest rates were 15 percent coming down off of 21 and – you know, so so there were never, I mean, literally never multiple offers because the uh, agents always overpriced their houses. So here's what's here's what's going to happen in any market. If there's multiple offers, it's because the agents have accidentally or on purpose underpriced their listing. The effect would be the same. If you accidentally underprice it and, and sometimes you have a, a very unique property, unique is a word I like to use in uh, real estate. When, they, when you hear the word unique in real estate, it means hideous typically. I was called unique often actually. Yeah, now that's that what I'm talking about. up and I'm hurt now that yeah, I think about uh, it. That would be a euphemism for woman repellent in, <laughs> in the case of Ramon. So uh, – but unique for plan means hideous and you know, that kind of thing. But – uh, but sometimes you get a house that's 
hard to comp out, be very difficult to know what fair market value value is. So you pick a number, you're on the on the market, all of a sudden you get a ton of showings and uh, a bunch of offers and you get multiple offers. So sometimes that happens accidentally. Maybe you do that on purpose. Maybe, uh, you know, the So the question is, what do you do when you have multiple offers? Well, what the industry tells us to do is the exact wrong thing, okay? So one of the exact wrong things to do that would hurt the buyer and the seller would be a multiple offer counter form. That is insanity. I do not know who thought that dumb idea up, but a lot of dumb ideas get thought up and they catch on like wildfire. Another one is highest and best, okay? Give me your highest and best is invented by the world's laziest real estate agent and that caught on like wildfire because there are so many lazy real estate agents. So here's the perfect scenario. If you are the buyer – this is a philosophical question. Philosophically speaking, if you are the buyer who – is willing to and wants to pay the most of all the buyers for my listing should you have the right to do it. If you're a buyer, if you're the buyer and you want to pay the most so you don't end up with some other guy living in your house, your favorite house, and you want to pay more than all the other offers, should you have the right to do that? And obviously, the answer is yes. If you're going to be fair to the buyers, every buyer should have an equal opportunity to pay the most. Uh, If you're the seller, should you have the opportunity to sell your house to the buyer who's willing to pay the most? So yes, of course. So if both those things are happening, then everything's going the way it should. And one way to guarantee that that will never happen is do that multiple offer counterform or do highest and best or have an artificial day on which we're going to make a decision on all the offers or any of that crap. That is absolute stupidity and laziness on the part of listing agents. So part of these bad ideas happen because the whole industry is so buyer-focused Um, that the sellers go disturbingly unrewarded, sadly. But uh, so how are we going to do that? Okay. So one thing I would recommend – now imagine you're the seller. Okay. You're the seller and I'm the listing agent. So a buyer comes along and they want to pay the most. Okay. So they're willing to pay the most. Now, the minute we say yes – In writing, we reach an agreement in writing between the buyer and the seller. You're the seller. I represent you. You now are stuck with that buyer for 10 days or whatever the inspection period is. Now, the buyer can back out any time during that inspection period if they found a better deal. But the seller cannot back out if they found a better buyer. Who in the world thinks that's fair? Right? That's that's not fair. It's real, but it's certainly not fair. So the last thing I ever want to do is the counteroffer or agree to anything in writing if I represent the seller. The seller will be the last person to sign 
because I want the right at the last minute to sell it to a better buyer if there is one and give the original buyer the chance to beat it if that if that's the case. So in my little narrow-minded view of the world where we have to be fair to both the seller and the buyer, the world's best buyer gets to buy it and pay the most and the seller gets to sell their house to the world's best buyer. And that cannot happen in a multiple offer counterform because sometimes the when you do the multiple offer counterform, somebody who was willing to pay more doesn't get to. And that highest and best is the same thing. If they had known there was another buyer at a higher price, they would have paid more. So you're not allowed to disclose what other offers are unless it's a good idea for the seller. Uh, and I'm, it rarely would be, but it could be. You never know. So the, the moral of the story is verbal versus written, okay? Is a verbal offer less valuable than a written offer. So if I say to you with my voice, I will pay you 400000 and somebody else writes up an offer, non-refundable earnest money, puts it in writing, and I just say I'll do it, which is of more value? Well, the truth is they're of equal value during the inspection period. Once the seller signs it's locked in for the seller, but the buyer can always back out. So just keep that in mind. So these, this um, inspection period, which is a fine thing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a verbal offer during that would be equally equally value. So don't get uh, don't turn off. Don't be turned off by a verbal offer if, if you think it's real. So how you negotiate those things, all fearless agents are taught how to do that. Okay, If you're a fearless agent coaching student of mine and you're in a multiple offer situation, you're going to know how to make the buyer that wants to pay the most get to pay the most and the uh, seller will get to sell their house to the buyer who wants to pay the most. Now, the other thing that's funny is they uh, – to me is this expiration date of the offer. So in the old days, the offers would come in and they wouldn't have an expiration date pre-printed into the into – the, you know, you could write it in and sometimes people did that. But then when you rejected the offer, you would have to get the seller to reject the offer in writing to close out the file. Well, now because of the expiration date, you don't need to do that. Practically speaking, it's probably still a good idea to do that, but you certainly don't need to. So when somebody says, hey, my offer expires, uh, I need an answer before you know 48 hours because the offer expires in 48 hours, my answer to that will be, I can give you a real quick immediate no. If you want to know, I can give you that real quick. If you want to – if your buyer really wants to buy the house – you don't need to be pressuring me when I'm the listing agent. I'm God, for goodness sakes. The listing agent is God and the buyer agent is the zit on the gnat's butt of real estate, OK? And every buyer agent knows that in a multiple offer situation. So you're in no room to negotiate when there's multiple offers You and you're the buyer agent. 
and the listing agent has multiple offers, you are going to be sucking up to them full time. If that, if if your buyer has written an offer on my listing, I know they love my house, my listing the most because they never write an offer on their third favorite house. So I think the buyer agents don't get that sometimes. So if you're a listing agent, you need to be nice to the buyer agent and treat them like a customer. If you're the buyer agent and you're writing an offer on somebody else's listing, you need to be obsequious. You need to be smarmy. You, these are big words I'm using, Ramon. You need to be sucking up full time, okay? You need to be bootlicking. I'm talking about being super, super nice and not trying to be Mr. Hardball Negotiator because that ain't going to cut it. Because I got something you want and you got nothing special that I want because all buyers have the same color money, but I'm the only one that has the three-car garage with the square footage you want in the neighborhood you want in the school district you want. So I got what you want. So just remember that. So the expiration on the date of the offer is a fairy tale that is meaningless. No one cares about it. And if the buyer agent acts like they care about, they're smoking crack. There's something wrong with them because it, the, the, if, if I say I'm going to do a counteroffer, when I do the counteroffer, the expiration goes a date away anyway and I probably am going to do a counteroffer. So don't get crazy about that stuff. So if you're the buyer agent, uh, there's no need to put pressure on the listing agent with that expiration date. It's not going to make anybody make a quicker decision. That will never happen. Uh, so get that crazy stuff out of your head. So I want to talk a little bit about buyers um, right now. So when you're working with buyers, now most people that call me for coaching are people who want to focus on sellers. Uh, most buyer agents don't get coaching. Uh, most people who call me for coaching i'd say do you if you if the money was the same uh the lifestyle would be entirely different but let's say the money were exactly the same and you had to do listings only and no buyers or buyers only and no listings which would you rather do and almost everybody says listings and then I say, how many closings did you have in the last, you know, 12 months? And they say 20. And I say, how many of those were listings? And they say six. So what they want to do and what they're actually doing are two different things. But there are people that I coach that hate doing listings. They like doing buyers and, uh, and that's fine. So when we're working with a buyer, even though maybe you want to focus on listings, sometimes you work with a buyer – uh, what is normal, the normal buyer experience with, a, with an agent? Well, it's horrendous these days. So how do most uh, buyers choose their realtor? Well, they give very little thought to it. Generally speaking, uh, a listing, a seller, might interview – you know, you hear sellers that have interviewed five agents. Those sellers are crazy, but they still do it. You've, you've seen sellers that interview three agents commonly. Most sellers that I listed their house, I was the only agent they talked to. 
who actually sat down and gave an actual listing presentation. But it wouldn't be uncommon that they had talked to another agent, and I assumed they had, and some of them had talked to three or four. So, but buyers, buyers don't interview real estate agents. They, they never do that. So they hook up with somebody that's their friend or somebody from church or somebody from work or a part-time agent or something like that. They give very little thought to it. So then the, the agent does everything in the wrong order, uh, absolutely crazy. So here's the perfect buyer scenario. So let's say you're a buyer and uh, you're a buyer agent and I'm a buyer. Okay, you're the buyer agent. I'm the buyer. So step number one is you would want me to meet with your lender on the phone, face to face, and be pre-approved for a monthly payment. So the buyer is getting pre-approved not for a loan, but for a monthly payment. The interest rate could change, which would change the loan amount, but the interest rate—I mean, the uh, the monthly payment that they qualify for—will not change. So that monthly payment that they qualify for includes homeowners association fees, taxes, interest. Uh, there are some variables in that, but that, that monthly payment they qualify for will not change unless their income changes or they go to uh, J.C. Penney and finance a refrigerator or something like that, take on more debt. So first, they meet with the lender in the perfect buyer scenario. Second would be they meet with you in their office. So if I'm the buyer, you want me to come to your office and meet with you. And then you're going to give a little, the way fearless agents do it, is you give a little introduction that gets their head right and shows them what's at stake, what they will lose if they don't do everything step by step perfectly. Then you give them a little preview of what the process of buying the house is going to be like and what that meeting that we're having is going to be like, then you would ask them a series of questions that is going to widen them out and make more houses available to them. Then you'll give them the fearless agent buyer presentation, and that is an objection-crushing, competition-crushing, stupid idea-crushing machine. Then you get the buyer-broker agreement signed. Then you may schedule another appointment to get back together and do – well, you actually, you'll schedule an appointment to go shopping, but you'll do the MLS search would come next. Now, I am not a fan of having the buyer looking over my shoulder when I'm doing the MLS search, so I want to do that with a level head. So I'm going to ask them all the questions. I know the monthly payment they're qualified for. I'm going to do that MLS search away from them. And then I'll make an appointment to meet with them. So maybe they go out to lunch while I do that. But then I'm going to uh, have them look through the properties that uh, weed out the ones they know they don't want to see. Then we're going to go shopping in the same car together. We're going to go see houses. Then we're going to write the offer. Then we're going to present the offer. And then there's going to be acceptance of the offer. So – just to recap, it's meet with lender, meet with me in the office, give a little intro, a little preview, ask them questions, buyer presentation, gets them to sign the buyer broker agreement, that gets signed, then the MLS is searched, then you go shopping, then you write the offer, 
then you present the offer, and then you accept the offer. Now, that's the way you would do it for yourself. Now, that never happens. That's not the way realtors do it anymore. They used to do it that way, but now they don't because they're lazy or malinformed. So what is the what is the valid buyer criteria? Who is a buyer? I'm going to have a little uh, beverage here. Oh, my God. This episode brought to you by Folgers Ramon. Did you, you ever drink the Ramon, the Folgers Ramon? I have not, no. I'm more of a Sanka guy. Go Sanka. old school. Old school. Just have it right there Sanka in the very much. Oh, refreshing. Sanka very much. I'm going to write that no, one No, I don't know a man, woman, or child alive today that does not occasionally enjoy a refreshing beverage. Okay. So who is the buyer I would be willing to work with. So if you're going to specialize in buyers, this would be your valid buyer criteria. Number one is they're willing to meet with you in your office. So, uh, you know, Floyd taught me this, C-I-T-O, come into office. So we're booking an appointment. You only get paid for two things, booking appointments and getting the signature. And the signature we want first is the buyer-broker agreement, and that's going to happen when they come into the office. So willing to meet with me in my office. Now, I need a set of words that are going to make that happen. We're going to learn that. But they got to be willing to meet with me in my office. So are there – if my standard is they have to come into my office or I'm not going to sell them a house – Will I lose some of them? Yes. But I'm going to lose some of them anyway. So the if the old thing that Floyd Wickman taught me was if you're going to lose them on Friday, lose them on Tuesday. It's quicker. Okay? So they have to be motivated. In other words, yeah, uh, I, if, I, if the right thing came along, I would buy it. We want you to show us houses. Uh, no. Uh, tell me if this sounds like a dial tone. Boop, click. You know, no. They've got to be motivated to buy a house right now. There's got to be a reason. Okay, we're having a baby, and we got to be in the house before the baby comes. Whether we're um, getting a job transfer and we're moving here and we're buying a house, there's no way out of it. They have to buy. Uh, time urgency is the third thing. There's got to be a deadline. I can't be. Um, you know, how how long have you been looking for a house? You know, oh, we've been looking for a year. Okay, well, tell me if this sounds like a dial tone. Boop, click, you know, that's out. Pre-approved, not pre-qualified, pre-approved through my lender. They used my lender. Now, is there an exception to that? If their sister is a lender, yeah, but they still have to be pre-approved through my lender because I got to know it's real. I got to know the monthly payment that they qualified for, pre-approved. Buyer broker agreement signed. No one's getting in the car. We are not searching the MLS until the buyer broker agreement is signed. If they are not willing to sign that, I got 50 more look just like you. You are dead to me. You're out, okay? You're not homeless. You can still buy a house you know, from somebody else, just not me. Controlled contingencies. So let's talk about the controlled contingencies. What are the contingencies? There's the loan. There's the appraisal. 
There's the home inspection. There's, uh, oh, my, my daddy's giving me the money. Mommy's giving me the money. Mommy and daddy, the contingencies. So I control the contingencies. So I can control the loan contingency by large amounts of non-refundable earnest money. If I tell the buyer the only way they're going to get to live in their favorite house, if the house costs 400000 and they're willing to close in a month, they have to have $5,000 of irrevocably and indisputably non-refundable for any reason earnest money. If they're not willing to do that, they're not a real buyer. Uh, that would eliminate the appraisal contingency, the loan contingency, and all other contingencies like they have to sell their house to buy one. So like we said on the last episode, contingent means I get my earnest money back if – and I live in a little narrow view of the world where no one ever gets their earnest money back unless the seller defaults. So if you like getting paid, have non-refundable earnest money, even if you represent the buyer or the seller, wouldn't matter. Um, the uh, home inspection, that's a contingency obviously. And then there's uh, getting money from the daddy and mommy. We'll talk about that in a minute. Willing to spend time. Okay. They say, uh, hey, Bob, uh, you know, I'm pretty busy. Why don't you uh, come up with a list of houses? You go look at them and then let me know when you've narrowed it down to your favorite one and that will probably be my, my favorite one. And Floyd, my mentor, taught me this. You write this down. Holy cow, H-O-L-Y. C-O-W, holy cow, you must be the second busiest person on planet Earth because I know I'm number one. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick a time to go looking in houses that will work for both you and me, the two busiest people on planet Earth, but I know I'm number one. And I like to meet with people in the afternoons or the evenings. Do you have a nine-to-five job? And then we're going to book the appointment to go looking. So they have to be willing to spend time. And then, uh, oh, the next one, all decision makers must be there. By the way, if any of this stuff we talk about on the Fearless Agent podcast makes sense to you and you happen to be earning less selling real estate than you wish you were and you are open to the idea of having some help with that, if you want to learn more, you can call me anytime at 480-385-8810. That is my cell phone. And let's just see if you and what you're trying to do in your real estate career and what we do at Fearless Agent, if it would be a good fit. If it is, you're going to get rich. And if it's not, we'll just admit that to each other. And I'm still happy to help you in other ways. Um, and I love talking to realtors, so don't think you're bothering me. Please don't email me or text me, not because that bothers me. It's just a bad habit for you because sales doesn't involve texting or emailing. It is all about the phone. So call me at 480-385-8810. And uh, you can always go to fearlessagent.com to check us out, watch our free webinar. Go to my uh, video page at fearlessagent.tv, subscribe to that, and then this podcast, subscribe to fearlessagentpodcast.com and give us a five-star review if you would. So, um, so then there's 
all the decision makers must be present. So let's say mommy and daddy are giving you the money for the house you're going to buy, the down payment money, okay? So now mommy and daddy, they live on the side of a mountain because they've done well. You know, they've, they, they've made some money. So they live in a luxury home. And because they live in a luxury home, they have a little walking around money left over to give you some down payment assistance, we call it. So uh, now you, of course, your monthly payment that you can afford isn't, isn't very much because you're a young couple, let's say. And I start driving you around and we start looking at houses and they're not in the hood, but they're not in the neighborhood that your folks are li- used to and not like the house you grew up in. But it's what you can afford. So you're a young upstart family and I'm showing you the stuff you can afford and you're not liking that much of it. But you say, OK, this is what I can afford. And then we find the best one that you can afford and then you have to call mommy and daddy and they come and see it. And the first one they see – now, they didn't wade through the ton of crap – to get to this one, which is good enough for you. They didn't see all that. This one is the first one they see and they go, ugh, this is kind of smells like, uh, you know, mothballs and Ben Gay and all that kind of stuff. That's not great. So uh, they go, oh, no, you're not buying this one. No. So all the decision makers are present means mommy and daddy, if they're giving you the money, they're going to wade through that crap with us. They're going to be in the car smelling that junk, uh, driving through those horrible neighborhoods that they don't like because they live up on the mountain. You know, they're not used to that. So all the decision makers must be present in every house you show and then willing to disclose. That means uh, – Every once in a while, somebody will say uh, – you say, well, tell me what you're looking for in the house you want to buy. And they go, oh, well, we'll know it when we see it. Oh, well, let me type that into the MLS. That will be easy. I'll know it when they see it. OK. That's not going to work. So they have to be willing to disclose how much they're willing to pay, that kind of stuff. And again, they have to talk to my lender. They can't have secrets. They have to tell me. And then finally, you have to like them. So you know, you're going to be – driving from house to house with these people in your car and to do it any other way would be insane. Uh, so you have to like them. So if you got all those things in place, you're going to have a much better experience. Now, next time we get together, Ramon, you know what's going to happen next time we get together? Thanks, stupid man. jokes as usual. That is a given. We always start with the stupid jokes because, uh, you know, what you, hijinks is what we call it. Madcap hijinks here at Fearless Agent. We're going to talk about some top secret – this is on the DL, as they say uh, – top secret strategies to outsell your com- competition every time as a buyer agent. And until next week, first of all, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, but please do visit us at fearlessagent.com. You can always call me directly at 480-385-8810. Please give us a five-star review of this podcast. And until next week, have fun. Always be humble when you have these newfound skills. And above all, be fearless. Bye, gang. Oh.